Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 374, covering The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, with Mark Bosco. Hi friends, back for, what is this, week Week four? Week four of Discovery, yes. Four, yeah, episode four of Discovery. Week four, Bob's watching with the us. Discovery Channel. Yep, first first guest, so Bob, that's your uh, Woo! illustrious fate oh. to be the first. I, you might have been the first guest we had all together, now that I think of it. Oh, really? That seems entirely possible was, at this point. It yeah. seems another lifetime ago. Uh-huh. It does. I was eight years, nigh on eight years ago. Yep. Wow. Almost as long as it takes stuff, to like... say the title of this episode. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week, um, I I didn't love this as much as some of the others. You guys did, so uh, I we'll I, I still think this is a this is definitely a weaker episode than the first th- the three we've watched so far. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we built up a little momentum that was lost here, but it, uh, I know Bob, you disagree with that. So uh, yeah, I thought it was got good. Some, got some debating ahead. So yep. Look forward to that, but but first, Bob, why don't you tell us what happens in this episode? All right. Yeah, okay. Here is my summary of, uh, For the world is hollow and the butcher's knife cares not for the lamb's cry, the thief, his wife, her lover, and the very big fish. <laughs> we start out with a shot of, oh no, the Badlands, will Voyager pop out of her uniform? Oh, it was just an extreme close-up of synthesizing her new uniform. Her new Starfleet uniform. That's right, Saru's threat ganglia. Michael is here to stay. <laughs> While the bridge crew runs Klingon battle simulations, Lorca takes Michael down to his weapons dungeon with guns and knives and uh, baby Horta? Huh. Anyway, he wants her to weaponize the giant tardigrade monster somehow and sends Commander Landry to keep her on task. Landry names it Ripper because she's a big fan of Victorian true crime novels. Admiral Cornwell Skypes in to tell Lorca that Corvan 2, the inferior sequel to Corvan, is under <laughs> attack by Klingons, because that's where Starfleet gets most of their dilithium. Thus, Lorca goes down and yells at Stamets to get the spore drive working so they can jump over there. Stamets yells back that science takes time and they cannot jump that far. And then Lorca plays the recording of the whole mining colony, yelling, Oh God, oh God, we're all gonna die. So guess who won that argument? Meanwhile, something happens on the Klingon ship involving subtitles. Back on Discovery, they try to jump and end up in the gravity well of a star, which they escape by hitting the jump button twice. Stamets threatens to take his ball and go home because he doesn't like war, but Lorca threatens to compare him to Elon Musk to get him back in line. (laughs) Meanwhile, Michael is figuring out that the creature is not a monster, but Landry wants to lop off the creature's paw anyway so she can make a weapon out of it, opens the containment pen, and the tardigrade mauls her like so much Sabrina Snyder. (laughs) <laughs> Back on the Klingon side, the Wonder Twins are on the derelict Shenzhou, taking some important engine piece to fix their ship, but when they get back, Cole has taken over because he fed the crew comically large Renfest turkey legs, followed by fried ice cream for dessert. Lorel betrays Volk, and they maroon him on the Shenzhou. Only she pops in to wink and say, just kidding, and sends him off to study with some witches or something. <laughs> Michael thinks she's figured out that the space bear is connected to the mushroom spores somehow, so Tilly brings her a tasty spore treat. A few minutes of exposition later, we figure out that the tardigrade is their new navigator. They jump, blow the Klingons out of the sky, and save Spider-Man 2. I mean, Corvan 2. Hooray! 
You seen that movie, Spider Man Two? <laughs> uh, seen so that movie Matt was I've... called Predator. <laughs> damn dream catchers. <laughs> Matt and I have been talking about since we have a long stretch of episodes. We're doing one a week, and we have a long stretch where neither of like there's there's guests, and we won't be writing yeah. summaries. So mm-hmm. instead, we're going to be uh, implementing this feature we call Second Thoughts. So I have some uh, All right. additional things to add now. This week, as a way of providing additional color commentary beyond the guest summary, I'm going to expand on what Bob referred to as something aboard the Klingon ship involving <laughs> subtitles, and roll out the first installment of a possible new feature I like to call. As the Klingon homeworld turns, time has not been kind, friends, to the poor albino Klingon known as Vok of House Nothing, <laughs> though he was named as successor to, of Takuvma the Unforgettable after the Battle of the Binary Stars. The 24 great houses of the Klingon Empire seem to have taken issue with this and do not acknowledge the title, and have left him and his crew to starve aboard their ship, the Sarcophagus. Yes, that's actually what it's called. And so, despite being tasked with the sacred duty of lighting the beacon of Kalos, Vok is instead forced to cannibalize Starfleet ships to get his own vessel, the Sarcophagus, functioning. Vok finds this distasteful, going so far as to call it blasphemy, which is definitely a word you'd use to describe stealing spare parts from your enemies. Will the skeptics and unbelievers in other great houses, especially Cole of the Great House Core, continue to prevent Vok from realizing his destiny? What of the lovely Lorel, who swears allegiance to Call, but clearly shows an interest in supporting Vok and his nebulous plans? And who, outside of an eight-year-old playing with Hot Wheels, would name a spaceship Sarcophagus? Find out in our next installment of As the Klingon Homeworld Turns. That was very useful in telling me what the hell all the Klingons' names are. I think the hardest part in writing that was looking for a recap and realizing Memory Alpha had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to watch it again. Oh, no. Ah, my least favorite parts. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's as the butcher, whatever, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. Butcher, butcher, uh-huh. butcher, butcher. <laughs> uh, well, Bob, since you since you seem to like this one better than us, let's let's talk about it. What, what did you like best? What was your good thing? Uh... Well, I don't know if my good thing is the thing I liked best, but uh, okay. I like the sort of mirror image balance visually between Volk and Lorel, like his albino face and dark armor and her darker face and white armor. There's uh, there's a couple of shots on the ship where they're talking to Cole, where it just, I don't know, it looks really cool side by side. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the look really carries over into any symbolism, but I don't know, it looks neat. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I also, you know, it's it's like when we used to say we need to come up with a good thing involving Wesley at some point. Someone uh-huh. needs to say something good about these Klingons. So, uh, good job. Well, I got I got good stuff to talk about the Klingons. I just I, mostly have bad stuff because yeah. God, they're dull. I really like her makeup too. Honestly, yeah, out yeah, of all of the good, Klingons, yeah. yeah. He he looks good too, honestly. Well, and like, she's got that she's got that big head that looks like a, the xenomorph from Alien. It just keeps mm-hmm. going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tapering off into a weird cone thing. I just gotta hate that fucking armor. <laughs> I there's there's it's... just and th- there's probably more Klingon scenes in this one than any so far, which is one of the reasons I didn't love it. And mm-hmm. like every time we more... get some momentum going with our characters, we cut over to these guys again. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can see where that does the kind stuff of that drag the doing episode is down way a little less bit. Interesting, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like later in the episodes in later in the season they the klingon does like the the way they're speaking the klingon does get a little more fluid and starts feeling more mm-hmm. like speech and not like yeah. they're just you know saying these syllables well, that they've memorized 
Um, to be clear, there's but, a couple of things that I don't like. That's one of them. But I also yeah. don't think the story's very engaging. Mm. Okay. Yeah, th- there's a lot of th- they're really sort of spinning their wheels right now before they get to like sort of the next big Klingon plot thing in a couple episodes. Yeah, right. Right now it's just like, uh, and also these guys, don't forget about these guys because these guys be are still bickering against each other. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. But you know, out. right now they just need to steal the hubcaps off of the Shenju. <laughs> <laughs> and agree that that's a good idea because it's blasphemy, I uh-huh. guess. So. And then have a big dinner party with yeah. uh, with Kratos from God well, of the, War. The blasphemy thing is them, like, you know, there's this whole remain Klingon thing. They don't want to be mm. integrated into Starfleet and, you know, have to mingle with all of those filthy immigrants. So it's... Yeah. 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 <laughs> But that that kind of feeds into the thing I don't like about these Klingons the most, which is that they are just straight up bad guys. Like mm-hmm. Star Trek has done a good job in like next gen and DS9, especially of saying, OK, these used to be our enemies, but there's a lot of subtlety. There's a lot of nuance between like there's some hardcore Galron assholes, but there's also really cool guys like Martok. Yeah, they're not just mustache twirling bad guys. And these guys are just fucking ogre troll monster guys i think part of it is the whole cult thing they're going for yeah yeah like this is a big klingon religious cult thing so like if you were gonna do that you should do it as this is a dangerous segment of the klingon empire Mm -hmm. and not someone who has united the entire you know culture yeah yeah i feel like you know in in pretty much anything the best villains are the ones you can sympathize with a little bit but then you know see how they've kind of gone over the edge whereas i feel like at least so far, they're not doing a really got, good job with humanizing these villains. I mean, their their motivations, I understand, and I see where, you know, they're, the actions that they're taking are consistent with that. But I don't, yeah. I don't sympathize with them at all. I right. I've been thinking about this a lot. I think I would like this better if they hadn't killed Takuvma and had made him the main guy. Like. Mm-hmm. It, it, having Vok as the bad guy now feels like we're one degree of separation away from any actual like or like plan at, or anything, you know. At the very least, they could have stuck around, had him stuck stick around a little longer, so you could get to like appreciate the loss, like they did with um, Giorgio. Yeah, they like, did a we lot. We had two but... full episodes to get to know her, and when we yeah. lost her, it was a big deal. But with Takuma, it's like well, I barely get what this guy is, and now he's gone. Of course, well, that we, also uh, means spending more time with the Klingons, which I'm not yeah, thrilled about. True. So, but we had two full episodes with Takuma, and we still yeah. didn't, you know, really get a sense of, you know, why we yeah. should miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or what what impact his death would have on these guys either. Yeah, yeah. Because we were still, part of it was we were acclimating to all the new stuff. Like, okay, the Klingons aren't the way we knew they were. They're like this now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's a beacon and there's 24 houses and oh, now that guy's dead. Like, yeah. We didn't get enough time to, whereas Starfleet was still basically Starfleet. They had different uniforms, but they were exploring planets and doing science and mm-hmm. checking you out know, a Star relay. Trek like, stuff. Yeah. yeah, it was, we didn't need to spend all of our mental energy readjusting to the new status quo because it was still basically what yeah. it always was. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But also, again, I feel like it kills a lot of the narrative momentum because there's some interesting stuff happening with Michael and with Lorca, and every time you really get moving or, like, Stamets, you cut away. I'm yeah. Like, but that was just getting good, and now you're going back to these guys, and I'm bored. And the way yeah. they talk, too, like, it, it li- yeah. the whole episode literally slows down. Yeah. No, like I say, there are two issues. They're both mm. they're both valid concerns, but one of them is they are literally difficult to watch because they're so slow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I think they're just less engaging than these likable characters that we're getting to know and barely know because it's only episode four. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. I feel like my the way I'm approaching <laughs> my my thoughts about this episode and thinking of it so highly, I feel like I'm ignoring most of the Klingon parts when I do think about mm. that. So you That's know, fair. I, I, can, I would do yeah. that, too, if given the option. <laughs> well, that's definitely not the only issues that I had. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know. That's some of them. But you mentioned... Uh, no, what was your good thing? Oh, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say you mentioned Stamets, and that that might be my favorite part of the episode is oh, him okay. yelling well, what at you, Lorca. What you got? <laughs> oh, just, oh, yeah, so no, good. Just like, you know, him trying to outscience Lorca and just like, no, this doesn't work that way. Like I told you, this uh-huh. doesn't, you know... That, no, it's a I conversation that. that every engineer in Star Trek has had with their captain, and usually they come to some compromise. Like... Like, you can't, we can't do it in three days. You have to do it in one. And mm-hmm. th- we've never seen one take such a hardcore stand. Like, yeah. no, you literally can't do it in less than three days. Go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that relationship between them where he's like, no, I fucking know my science. Go fuck off. And Lorca just yeah. having to <laughs> just take it for a second and like, okay, but well, do this. <laughs> and Lorca can intimidate everyone, but Stamets has yeah. a little bit of power over him. Yeah. And no one else on the ship does. That's why he can get away with it. Yeah. This is the episode Stamets, I came around on uh, on Stamets. Like, you remember What's last that? week he was my bad thing? I love him this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, what changed? Uh, I, first of all, he got funny. Okay. <laughs> Secondly, um, I love, I guess, Bob, I guess this is your quote. Oh, yeah. I fucking <laughs> love him watching the tardigrade running around in the uh, in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to? Well, let's, bangs let's... his head on a console and goes ah. <laughs> the correct response to banging your head on a console. I mean, everyone would like that's. That, is is there anything special about him doing that? Wouldn't anyone react that way? No. But it was I've funnier. Bang their head on console <laughs> oh, before, and fair. no one has done that. <laughs> no, he's he's got a very great presence, and, and yeah. he definitely sells something that should be a throwaway ah. As as being funny, I get that. Yeah, uh, but let's let's come back real quick. You said this was Bob's quote. Like, Bob, yes. you want to set this up? Oh sure. This is uh, when uh, Stamets comes in and uh, they're they've let the car, huh? They've let the tardigrade into their mushroom garden, and it seems like mm-hmm. uh, it's interacting closely with the mushrooms. Some form of symbiosis. It is talking to them. That hardly seems fair. I always wanted to converse with my mushrooms. <laughs> Yeah, I like how engaged Stamets is in his work. Yeah, like, like that's that, not a joke. He literally would rather talk to mushrooms than people. If he yeah, could. exactly, absolutely, he's not here to fight your war. He's here to do what he likes, which is fuck around yeah. with mushrooms. Yeah, no, and it's it's like I said last week. What I like most about him is he's more like your sort of typical engineer mm-hmm. than any of the other. Like they usually make the likable guy the engineer. Yeah. And in this case, he's more wrapped up in his work and he's not very good with people and that seems more, you know, well, more realistic. Case, <laughs> like <laughs> most of the time our engineers are like a mechanic. Now yeah. we've tied we've tied a, the engineer with like sciences again. Well, because mm-hmm. this guy's not the chief engineer of this ship. He's on a science ship uh researching the technology that is now like the key to winning the war. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That makes him a little di- he's not the guy to fix the ship. He's the guy that runs the, you know, the MacGuffin. Yeah. So <laughs> Uh, so Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I love the shot of the mining colony being attacked by Klingons and then Discovery pops out of nowhere to wreck their shit. It was just <laughs> really cool. Um, there's a thing I've started doing with, uh, Discovery where I'm just, there'll be a scene where I'm just like, that's some fucking Star Trek shit. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where, and I think a lot of this is budget, 
like mm. previous shows didn't have the budget you'd have to it'd be off screen they'd say 10,000 colonists are in danger right now because Klingon ships and you'd see like one effects shot of the Klingon ships way up in the air but yeah. mm-hmm. this show either has a better budget or they use it better or technologies come along or maybe all of those things yeah. but you see guys on the ground and you see how it's affecting them and that I think gives it a much better context because yep. you can understand it's not just cutting away to a ship flying and then back to our guys it's actually seeing what's going on yeah, yeah. so we just have Discovery pop in fucking dump some landmines and then blow up all the Klingon ships and disappear. It was great. Nope. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Although also, we have the first appearance of the spinning uh, saucer rings, which I love. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. That looks very cool. It's such a cool effect. Yeah, it is. And not something I would have thought of to just like, yeah, we're powering up the new, the spore drive. This thing spins, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All the, the, uh, the only problem I had with uh, the attack on the Klingons there was that, uh, you know, uh, Lorca says, oh, we're going to, you know, show the Klingons something they'll never forget. And then he blows up all of the Klingons. So there's no one left to tell the story to the others. Yep. <laughs> right. And also they no. disappear so quickly they don't know what discover like it's not like you don't yeah, we see briefly the ship. saw a federation ship and then we didn't and i don't know maybe we were all just seeing things and who knows yeah i actually kind of like that if you leave the survivors it's just like yeah and then the federation warped in and we were all dead <laughs> oh it's you like, didn't it's like if the ship was batman yeah <laughs> yeah exactly discovery becomes like a, an urban legend yeah <laughs> there's no such thing as a disappearing starfleet ship what's wrong with you yeah seriously <laughs> No, I saw it perched on a, on a gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't seem to be able to use doors. It just swings everywhere. It's weird. <laughs> My good thing, and, and this is a good thing, mm-hmm. Lorca is horrible. Yep. <laughs> like in that love to hate her way Kai Wynn was, where mm-hmm. everything he does makes me cringe, and I hope that I never meet another person like him in my actual life. Mm. Bob pointed this out in his summary. He plays the agonized screams of the victims on Corvan 2 to motivate the crew. Mm -hmm. And you cut to the reaction shots. And again, I mentioned this on the Shenzhou and it hasn't changed. Pretty much everyone they cast as bridge crew and like extras in engineering and stuff are pretty young. You got guys, I would say, mostly under 30, which I think really goes a long way to showing how unsuited they are to all this and how stressed it makes them. Mm -hmm. And just how terrified, like they all look like they're about to cry. Yeah. And yeah. being younger sells that a little more and they're all, you know, acting really good. But it's just this constantly berating them for not being good enough. And they're all just like, oh God, what? I just showed up to do some science. And now not only am I in a war, but I'm in a war with this guy. Yeah. There, there's a there's a scene early in the episode where they're doing drills. They walk on, uh, uh, Saru and Michael walk onto the bridge and they're in the middle of a, uh, 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 a combat uh, drill. Yeah, combat drill. And they fucking die, and Lorca goes... Yeah, he does the sarcastic (laughs) slow clap. Well, on the plus side, the fact that you're all dead means you won't be able to feel the embarrassment you should from getting completely massacred by two Klingon ships. Well done. And I'm sitting there like, this is the worst boss I could ever fucking have. Oh, I, I could feel for you. I've I've known you for so long that I, I felt sort of empathy pains. Like, oh God, this is this is triggering the hell out of Matt right now. <laughs> we, we used to we used to have a, a thing on here where we'd talk about like which which captain you'd most and least like to work for. Oh yeah, the the least has definitely got a new uh, Yeah, let's just say there's new a new winner. there's a new winner. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, in the mail, Gabe. I wanted to make the point too that 
when Lorca played, you know, the screaming colonist, it wasn't just for Stamets or just for the bridge crew. He opened a ship wide channel and played it yep. for everyone. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's guys off duty who have been like doing combat drills for 18 hours and finally getting some sleep, <laughs> waking to the sounds of screams. Yeah. Jeez. And poor Tilly. Think of uh-huh. t- like she's not ready for any of this. She's no. not even out of the academy yet. <laughs> this is her practicum. Yeah. This is this is like junior year abroad, and then this happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. Who, no, I love it. Who I did love I piss be- off to get here? <laughs> because, again, someone's going to write in and say, well, why do you like this and you don't like Archer? Because the show knows he's terrible. Yep. Because Archer was was constantly depicted as he's making the hard choices, and ultimately he's a hero, even though he had to do some bad stuff. Lark is a piece of shit, and everyone yeah. knows it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. The, the the story is aware of it, and he's being portrayed as a bad guy, not as not as a hero. Mm-hmm. There's and, a sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, Bob. Oh, and it's just he's like kind of. It feels like you know he's one of those abusive guys who's like very calm and very measured most of the time, and then yeah. just like flies off the handle. Yeah, everyone's like, so terrified of him. You're yeah. just waiting for the fucking uh, for him to snap. Yeah, yep. Matt, you were gonna say. Oh yeah, no. There's a there's a uh, there's a scene where um, Michael's trying to figure out what's going on with the tardigrade, and she invites Saru down to the lab oh, under God. the pretense <laughs> that she's going to apologize to him. Yeah, no. And there's a, there's a great. She has a great speech about you know I'm I never really properly apologize or whatever. But then it takes this turn, and then it's just like <laughs> it turns out he's just down there so that she can measure his threat ganglia to make sure that the 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 tardigrade's not a threat. Saru figures this out and goes, "Oh, you belong here with Lorca," and I go. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> that is quite an yeah. insult. Let's not say things we can't take back here, Saru. I mean, she's, she's doing things that are sort of evil adjacent for the purpose of science, but there's it's a short walk to where Lorca is. I'd say they're more like, it's it's very much her Vulcan, her, her Vulcan-ness. Oh, yeah. D- who cares about people's feelings? We yeah, have exactly. data to collect. Mm. But mostly yeah. it's just like, if I do this, he'll stop yelling at me. Uh-huh. No, and everyone's motivated that way. The only person who seems really into this and seems to really dig it and click with him and say, yeah, whatever you say, man, mm-hmm. is uh, Landry. And she don't last long. No. Um, it's my uh, bad thing, if you want to get into okay. that. Um, yeah. Landry's a fucking waste. <laughs> like, I mentioned how last week that I thought her character as the other jerk who's on Lurka's side was really interesting, and it was. So, you know, what do they do with her this week? Uh, they kill her off in the stupidest way possible. I'm going to open this door and shoot at the killing machine that can't be killed by being shot at. Are you really that fucking stupid? I, you know, I feel like she, she thought it was, uh, you know, under, I can't think of the word, under a sedative or whatever, that it wasn't going to be a problem. It was knocked, Lay was knocked out. Yeah. 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 But. Um, my thing is, check that. Yeah. Yeah. This thing massacred yeah, an entire ship full of humans and Klingons, like, what are you doing? Yeah, they couldn't oh, scan she's... it, or they couldn't like, you know, like when they go out of the shuttle bay and the the uh, the shield uh, that you know protects them from the vacuum of space just opens a tiny bit around the shuttle that goes out. Couldn't they do the same thing <laughs> with the, you know, mm-hmm. the the field that keeps the uh, tardigrade in? Just like yeah, you know, just just poke it with a stick <laughs> first. <laughs> No, nope, I'm gonna well, kick. I'm gonna kick the crap out of it. No, you're not. <laughs> you, we got a good like, um, you know, like you said, Matt. They're not red shirts here. They're, they're bronze shirts or whatever. Yeah. But we got a straight up like real important red shirt death. And the way the tardigrade like tear like grabs her and tears like you know 
what's the word? There's a word for that when an animal picks something up and like maul. Uh, no, Sh- uh, shake. I can't think of it. I, no, there's <laughs> a specific term. Did like she, when your dog picks up rippered? something and just shakes it in his teeth for a long time, and I cannot think of it. Huh. Sure, it's not maul. No, I'm pretty sure it's not maul. Darth no, maul? mauling is with claws, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know there was a word for that. I, there might not be. I might be crazy. But <laughs> also, I'm slowing down the show by saying I can't think of a word, and neither can you guys. <laughs> um, but it does that, and it, I think it looks cool. And she got what was coming to her. I mean, yeah. she yeah. was kind of dumb, and she died the fate of the dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which would have been a better title for this episode: "The Fate of the Dumb." <laughs> I, I just, she was such a unique character. Like, no, it would have been cool to get to know her, and you know, they kind of Tasha yard her, as, as yeah. someone else already pointed out. And, she and, said know, that. The actress oh, said she? that, yeah. Oh, oh okay. I thought it was what's his name in the After Trek show had pointed that out. Oh, Matt Myra, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe you know fake. Pop. She agreed with it, ah, okay. <laughs> one, one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bob, what was your bad thing? Uh, what was my bad thing? I'll just scroll back up here and ah. on related stuff. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, my bad thing is kind of a qualified bad thing. Is like, uh, did we ever see a Klingon spacesuit before? Because they look kind of neat at least in this incarnation um you know in keeping with the rest of their armor but i have really grown to hate armor that folds away into nothing when you press a button it's like where did it go is it wafer thin it just ah it's one of my design pet peeves you can you can thank iron man for that one (laughs) well no it happened way before that there was stuff like that in um um stargate and i think before that too Ah. But I don't know. I, th- their armor, though, I wanted to make a comment about that. It's like, I wonder if it's, I mean, it's it's very ornamental. And I wonder yeah. if it's like a thing where they haven't been at war for so many years. It's just their armor has become this ceremonial thing instead of like an actual, you know, a practical thing that's useful. I would be I down think... for that if they weren't, if there weren't also all the infighting that they've been doing for all that time. No, they've definitely been like fighting. Like they talked about it on Enterprise, and yeah. we didn't like Enterprise, but it is canon. And mm. those Klingons had been fighting. They're always fighting. That's their deal. Yeah. Yeah. They like, love fighting. All right. Well, they haven't been fighting that. the Federation, but yeah. they've been fighting other guys. Mm. This is what I'm talking. Everything looks too ornate and Victorian for Klingons. Everything's too delicate and fancy. I feel like oh, that's definitely the Brian Fuller influence. Yeah, he likes that kind of stuff. Thank you. Not Victorian. Yeah. Edwardian. <laughs> yeah. He's a ghost from the Edwardian era. Mm. <laughs> oh, don't listen to him. That's that's a con. He's from the Edwardian era. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, take my clammy diaphanous hand, whatever that means. <laughs> Just do super ego quotes now. Yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah. they won't, so. Yeah. Um, no, they're coming my back. bad thing. Are I'm they excited. coming back again? All yeah. Right. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Anyway, that sorry. good news. <laughs> My bad thing is not the Super Ego's coming back. That's great. Uh, <laughs> that Landry, before she died, may she rest in peace, I guess, um, names the Tardigrade Ripper. Uh-huh. Like, I think we discovered the most likely candidate for who thought up Black Alert. You ain't kidding. <laughs> oh, I thought it was named after uh, someone on the crew named Black. Uh, could L- be. Lewis Black. <laughs> <laughs> Black yeah, Alert! <laughs> yep. Actually, that would be really useful as an alarm for when an old man yells at you. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. John. Yeah. Um, there were some things I really didn't like about this, and this is definitely sort of where Bob disagrees with me, but uh, mm. I feel like there were some things that were nice and subtle in previous episodes, and here they bonked you over the head with them. Mm. Like, um, 
well, while we're still, while we're still talking about the tardigrade, there was Michael pretty much looks into the camera. This doesn't actually happen, but <laughs> I felt like it did, and says, "They think it's a monster, but it really doesn't mean anyone any harm." Gosh, it's just like me. They're like, working uh, together like mere images of each other. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that. And then uh, I there was the whole like was ticking time bomb of of um. Georgiou's coffin or whatever, like her, her last will and testament, her picture, Sar- sarcophagus, her Al. Yeah, of course, the USS sarcophagus in a uh, in a duffel bag uh, that makes a picture of her dead mother figure appear and say, "You're like a daughter to me, and I'm sure you're a captain now, and everything is fine." And it's just like all that good acting work from Sonequa Martin Green is like undermined by just making the subtext text, like saying it out loud, made all because I was so moved by their relationship and her losing that relationship Mm. and everything in her eyes when she saw Saru again, it was all nice and fairly subtle. And then they just came out and said, I am like your mother and now I'm dead. And like, I did not care for that. See, I just felt like that was just hammering home. Hey, you fucked up. Exactly. Sledgehammering home. I, yeah, I didn't think the hammer was that heavy. I, I really worked for me. I mean, I was definitely getting emotional watching that scene. I I was a little, but I felt manipulated. Whereas before it felt way more natural. Like, it's, it's, it could just be a difference in preference, but that's yeah. that's one of the main reasons. Like whoever wrote the previous episodes feels like they had a more subtle touch, and these guys were a little more direct. Mm-hmm. I definitely and see your point, but I don't know. Yeah. It still worked for me. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Plus, I like the payoff with the telescope next episode. I, the telescope thing—it just feels like they've done. They've gone to that well so many times. It's like when you have someone on the ship who's into 20th century earth culture, it's like, mm-hmm. and the captain is into old, like early space travel and old nautical stuff. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to tell you at this point. That's just Trek. Yeah. Yeah. The only two important things are this are the sea and space <laughs> exploration. It's like the, yeah. the tradition of exploration. Like, I really like that stuff with Picard, but then they just kept doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't I, bother me. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like there's so many opportunities to do original fresh angles and they've taken a lot of them. And here I think they fumbled a couple is all. Yeah. But it felt like right. uh, there, there was one thing I liked about the telescope that it was a very um, it's it kind of looked like modern day. I mean, like us now, modern day yeah. uh, telescope that. Had, yeah. And she said it had been passed down through her family. At least it wasn't right. like I am super I'm, rich and able to buy this, you know, ancient 1800s, you know, sextant right. or whatever. No, it's a it's a space telescope, not a nautical telescope. Yeah. Right. Right. No, and and I'm not sure. I think it might have been the same telescope we actually saw on the Shenzhou, like when all their instruments weren't working, when they were still trying to figure out if it was Klingons or not, mm-hmm. and the only way to see it was to look through the telescope. I actually yeah. like that. Yeah. But I can't I thought, figure out how, if that is the same telescope, I how thought, it survived and made its way to Michael. I thought that telescope was bigger, though, but maybe could be. I'm, I don't know. I'd have to no, go it could back be. I look. don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But in, in that case, I actually liked that there was a telescope because... Yeah, when all the instruments are down, sometimes it's better to look out a window. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's okay. Also, Giorgio just collected telescopes. Yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, dude, Michael doesn't know this, but everybody on her on her will list got a telescope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gives it to, to uh, well, well, we'll talk about that next it's week. It's just the same but, speech. Uh, I'm sure you're a captain now, and you were like a daughter <laughs> to me. <laughs> Dear like, I've never even met here. this woman before. <laughs> I'm sure you're a captain now. And I'm so proud of you. I, I will say that the thing I liked probably the most 
mm. was apart from her one horrible mistake, Michael is the most quintessentially Starfleet character we've seen in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like she did that one thing. Let's not ignore that. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's because she's kind of an emotional mess. But under normal circumstances, she's decent. She's compassionate. She's scientifically curious. Like she's yep. all the things we want to see in Star Trek. And yeah. That's like everyone's like, uh, war, weapon, make this thing kill. And she's like, yeah, but but science, guys. What about, yeah. what about science? I, I like watching her come around after, like, after last episode where we see her in the depths of despair, ready, ready to die. Mm-hmm. Like, she's really coming around now. She's sort of like, she's engaged with... Uh, yeah, she has a purpose. Yeah, exactly. She's like not entirely that. there yet, because we're going to see her sort of connect with Tilly next week. But, uh, mm-hmm. like, she's no, doing the, stuff. She want, She doesn't want to be dead anymore. This isn't really a spoiler. This season, you know, her arc is redemption from that Mm -hmm. horrible mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether or not she gets there, we'll talk about when she gets there. But uh, that's what they're going for. And first you have to hit rock bottom and then you have to climb out again. And then she's slowly climbing out. And I like that. That's Mm -hmm. my like in the episodes I like the least. And this is not my least favorite one of the season. It's just one I liked less than the others. But even in the ones that I don't like very much, she's still probably one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing. Yeah, Yeah. she's great. this is a protagonist I am happy to be following around and is that sort of ideal hero, but also kind of fucked up at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of like Cisco in there where it's like he was the embodiment of your your ideal future man, but he also kind of had some issues. And, you know, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, let's check the old notes here. Um, oh, I it's I know you've probably said this before, but I love the opening titles so much. Love the mm-hmm. music, the animation, yep. all the exploded views, the callouts, everything. My Af- only minor quibble with it is there's like this parchment background behind everything, and it's oh, it, you ruined it for Matt, and now you're gonna ruin it for everyone. It never changes. It's the exact same in every shot. It never moves. It's, it's sometimes brighter or darker, but it never changes position at all. And you can tell because there's this tiny little v-shaped crease in the left hand corner and it never moves <laughs> so it's like a it's like a parchment etch-a-sketch yeah <laughs> they just keep redrawing it's it just, on the same surface it's just one layer in after effects that they just stuck in yep. the background and left there you couldn't just like rotate it for each third shot or something yeah that's what i was saying you could kind of move it around and yeah but, oh well yeah <laughs> Now we're all, we'll all just notice that forever. That's yeah. just my motion graphics background no, kicking in. No, I get it. <laughs> totally get it. Uh, what else? We got the yeah. first appearance of Culper, according to my notes. Oh, yeah. Who is um, Stamets? Are they married? I don't know if they're married or if... Uh... They live together. They are romantically yeah. involved and they are living together. I do not know if they are married. Mm-hmm. And maybe they will say it out loud in one of the forthcoming episodes. But yes, Stamets' mm-hmm. partner. But uh, not that anyone says that in this episode. No, they bicker like a couple, but so have lots of characters. Uh-huh. Sure, yeah. Like we saw, we saw Stamets do that with his friend. Like, yeah, that's true. The guy on the Glen. So, like, I mean, this is just how people react to Stamets, which is understandable, honestly. <laughs> yeah, the people who like him still have to bicker with him. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I but get that um, real well, <laughs> like like Spock and Bones, they're a couple, right? Yeah. No, I mean not textually, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> like Bashir and Garrick. Same. Uh-huh. Yep. There's a lot like that. But uh, we get him for a couple of minutes, and we get the new sick bay, which I really like the design of. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the new Discovery uniforms, really, but I do like the medical uniforms. They're these, like, great white... I don't know how to describe them. Mm. And we we have the, like... um, 
don't know if I talked about this la- when we started this or not. Like the com badges, which are not com badges, they're just Trek ba- Star Trek badges. Mm-hmm. Like in addition, th- that's where the pips go in Discovery. Mm-hmm. I like, and that. I love that design. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, also- you gotta you gotta ignore the 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 chronology because the pips didn't become a thing until next gen. But whatever. Yeah. Sorry. But um. We also have, like, we never had the medical, like, it's got the little red cross on it instead of, mm-hmm. like, uh, what's the science logo? Is it the it's swirl? The, 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 I think so, yeah. The command yeah. has the star that comes up to the, the, the long point, and mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I thought the swirl was engineering. It could be. God. Or maybe it's both. But, I don't remember. Yeah. I am not confident. But, like, bo- like back in the day, Bones had, like, uh, whatever the sciences was yeah. instead of a little medical cross, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I don't like, you know, we'll we'll get to know him a little better. Of course, I always forget his name and call him Dr. Boyfriend. But, yeah, uh, Culper. It's Culper. <laughs> he has a name. Yes. I forget what his first Stamets. name is. But it's Dr. Culper. Dr. Culper. <laughs> That's his first name. That's why he became a doctor. It's nominative determinism. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Uh, nope. All right. Why don't we do uh, In the Past of the Future, then? Bob, what do you got? In the Past of the Future. Everyone will suddenly forget what a Horta is until Kirk discovers them again on that mining planet. Oh, yeah. There was <laughs> no there kill was the, in, in Lorca's skeleton room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> skeleton room. Now, I made a list of all the weird crap in there, and what he mostly has is a bunch of guns with knives on the handles so it's <laughs> impossible to shoot the gun. And knives with other knives. Uh, yeah, I think can... he was designing them for uh, what's-his-face. <laughs> yeah, it took like a century to get over to him, but yeah. Shit. Shinzo? Shinzon. Shinzon. Yeah, Shinzon, which is different than the Shenzo, which was the ship that we used to be on. <laughs> a terrible character. <laughs> that was not a good character. Nope. Although that character uh, caused Rick Berman to say, yeah, I, I basically discovered Tom Hardy. He's a star because of me. Mm-hmm. So that's a recent quote from Rick Berman. Uh, no, I saw. Yeah. Uh, I don't Matt, care do for got? Rick Berman. No, I, I don't either. He can't hurt us anymore, though. So. Mm-hmm. What do you got, Matt? Uh, in the in the past of the future, giant tardigrades will romp free in designated tardigrade play areas available in every spaceship. <laughs> yep, they just born have like a big free in indoor <laughs> forest. <laughs> uh, and mine in the past of the future, the honorable Klingons will take to literally eating their vanquished foes because why should they be remotely sympathetic or relatable when they can just be monster troll orc ogre? Dragon, I don't know, magical creatures. <laughs> did, did we talk at all about the line where they say they ate Georgiou's corpse? They ate her. Yeah. I think Bob mentioned it in his summary, but it definitely bears further discussion because yeah, they um, ate her. That's mm-hmm. that, that's a choice. Now they're they're running low on food. Yeah, they said and they that were out of food. That might be why. But they also the way they say it, they say it in the sense of I completely like I vanquished my foe and devoured mm-hmm. her heart, which sure makes it sound like more of a ritual and less Took of her power. Yeah. yeah. It's but a I, weird Klingon. It could be both. Like, we're introducing a lot of weird Klingon stuff in Discovery, but that's definitely the weirdest one. Well, like, it's like we it's like we were just saying, villains don't really work if they're just straight up villains, and this makes them so just bad. And nah. like you can't say, well, like like we did with the Cardassians, I mean, mostly DS9. Like, like the, the sort of the long-running political stuff where it's like, ooh, these guys are in rough shape. I kind of see why they're fighting now. Mm-hmm. I wish they weren't, but mm-hmm. I get it. And these guys are just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> People eating dicks. 
Not to be confused with people eating dicks, by the way. No, that's a whole other thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe season two. We'll see. Uh, anything else? I think that's it. Nope. All right. Any uh, spoiler stuff for this week? Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, I, I got to say, once again, just all this Lorca stuff would work so much better for me if he wasn't just from the evil universe. Yep. Just yeah. more of the same. I, if he was just a, a person who was in the right place at the right time and, and got to do horrible shit and he really should never have been there, I yeah. would have liked that much better than just the, I'm from Bad Town. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying uh, like Landry is the same way yeah, Landry, and she's yeah. she's not from the mirror universe so. yeah no she's not just a I, regular person who's yeah, drinking that, lorca's kool-aid who yeah. and like, i would have liked to follow her and they killed her like well, i, yeah. I kind of want a character like that who's been corrupted by all this and we don't really get that mm. it was just it was cool to have a character who wasn't starfleet and yeah. that was a bad thing yeah it was very bad everyone didn't like it and eventually you know what what i had imagined was eventually starfleet would have figured out wait just because we're winning the war, this guy's got to go. He's terrible. No, it's like it's like that. What are we willing to throw away to win this war? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would have been a much more interesting thing than what we ended up getting. I think. Yeah. Also, his not being able to see light thing is really dumb. But we'll talk about that more when it happens. I had a line here where they discovered the tardigrade. Also, the tardigrade doesn't like light, and I'm like, is this tardigrade also from the mirror universe? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like uh, that. I don't know. I thought it was a cool way to differentiate what that they can't see light he he just doesn't like bright light that's all he's like a mogwai we've we've been to the mirror universe like 17 times now that's never come up before (laughs) Eh. yeah well the klingons were never this way before i know (laughs) it's just it's the really bold retcons like that that i'm like also they're dark so they like to live in the dark come on (laughs) (laughs) Ripper, black alert. Ah. How you doing over there, Al? <laughs> ah. <laughs> I care not for the lamb's cry, man. Is this is this still some Enterprise hangover going on here? Well, there's there's some pointlessly grim dark stuff here that I don't love, and that's mm. you know, eh. all our characters live in the dark. Okay, thanks. <laughs> With your gun knives. <laughs> uh, any any other spoilers? Yeah, thing? this is also where uh, uh, what's his face Vok leaves to go become Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Oh right, with the with the witches, the witches uh-huh. will turn the him witches into Ash Tyler, <laughs> yeah. a real boy. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Who knows? Also, uh, I think Amanda pointed out that the timeline is a little wonky on that because, uh, uh, what is it? Laurel says, uh, "I have to leave you now. Go. These guys will take care of you." <laughs> I have and to leave now to go to my home planet. <laughs> yeah, I have to go back to my home planet now. Technically um, true. <laughs> but then we get flashbacks. You know, of his, like, recovering memory and PTSD stuff of, of him being intimate with her and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, but so she didn't leave. She's still around. Like, which is it? I, I was thinking Maybe about... he was, maybe they had been intimate at some other point and he was just, like, when he's looking back in his memory, he's Ash Tyler there because his memory's fucked up. I that could be. they're just hitting it off now, though, but I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Also, it you'll... could be... In the ne- and I think this happens in the next episode when he appears. I think he, posing as a human, is a prisoner on her ship. And maybe that's when she starts, like, taking him to bed. Maybe. And he, yeah, that, that's probably what happens. But we can talk about that next week. See, then that does make that a rape scene. Yeah, it does. Because then he about. thinks it's, it's forced. But yeah. she's like, hey, this is my boyfriend. Yeah. So, yeah. 
We'll see. Anyway, maybe maybe that just becomes clear, and we just my forgot. only other my only other thing was it was going into his memories, and I was just like, well, maybe he's fantasizing about having sex with her. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. Better than the rape thing. Yeah. Well, anything is better. And and yeah. the nice thing is we thought there was rape in this show, and it was like, oh, not again. And it turns out there's not. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Because it looked like it at first, and then we yeah, found and out I think was... they were really playing it up to be that yeah. way, and then. Yeah. You only find out it's different when you find out what his deal is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad because yeah. if we never see another rape in Star Trek again, I would be very pleased. That would be amazing. That would be a great yeah. gift to us for our, our long years of service. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely would. Just That's all we ask. Yeah. Just just no more rape, please. Not That'd much. be nice. Yeah. No. All right. Any other spoilery things? I think that's the one. That, those are the two big ones. Bob, anything? Uh, no, that's it for me. All right. Cool. Well, plug time then why don't you tell the folks whatever you'd like to tell the folks uh all right i uh there's a podcast that i had been doing and will be doing again i swear uh which is called the optical uh it's kind of you know revisiting the history of uh, visual effects and film technology and that is at opticalpodcast.com and i have some cool stuff that i'm working on for this fall hopefully september but maybe october that'll be back and uh also, the other, like, you know, kind of uh, props and makeup and ceramic tiki mugs and that sort of stuff is at vixenlabs.com. All right. And yeah. speaking of websites, ours is, as ever, postatomichorror.com. You can write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. We are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. We have a Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, see you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.